to the Grave Plot Podcast. Welcome everybody to episode 108 of the Grave Plot Podcast. I am Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. And boy, do we have a fabulous show ahead of us. Oh my god, he didn't say exciting. <laughs> everybody take a drink. Uh, it's mainly because I'm not excited. <laughs> we have a show. <laughs> uh, no, it's it's it's, it's going to be fine. It's it's fine. We tend to make the most out of yeah, bad it's, situations. It's all right. I had a lot of difficulty watching one of these movies. Yeah, yeah. you did. I'm kind of perturbed. Um, but uh, how are you doing, Taylor? Oh, I'm doing all right. Mm-hmm. What's new? I uh, went to three, two, one battle yeah. on Friday. Biggest show of the year. The uh, the stepdaddy of them all. Right on. How'd that go? It was fantastic. Yeah. Super good show. Lots very lots of very exciting things. <laughs> very exciting things. <laughs> who won who won the things? Uh, all, the bird. The bird. The bird. <laughs> yep. The bird won the uh the solid steel championship. Solid steel. Ah a boy. Uh, He's learning. He's learning. Uh, cool. That was Saturday, you said? That was Friday. Friday. Um, cool. I, what did I do? Oh, I went to the, um, Fremont Troll Stroll yesterday, which was Saturday. Um, and, uh, that is a annual thing put on by the Cystic Fibrosis, or the Washington Chapter of Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. Um, basically, it's basically a pub crawl. Like you pay fifty bucks, or I think I think it's eighty for like a VIP ticket, um, and there are like seven or eight bars just along the way, and you get you get drink tickets for each one. And you just go and you get your you know tiny little beer, <laughs> um, but it's for a good cause. Right on. Yeah, it was a fun day. Went with uh, my wife and my sister and brother in law, and uh, a couple of their friends. It's pretty cool. Right on. Um, I mean, for the for the uh, in, uh, inundated, is that the right? Am I using that right? I don't know where you're going with this. <laughs> uh, every year we we participate in Cystic Fibrosis Awareness Month. Um, it's a very close personal topic to Tony. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and we, we we have special Cystic Fibrosis Awareness Month T-shirts that we sell, and the proceeds go directly to the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. So uh, keep an eye out on. Our, our store at store.greatplotpodcast.com for those starting next month. Yeah, I was really hoping I'd be able to announce them this episode, but uh, just, I don't <laughs> I have not had the time to finish it. So uh, it'll be there um, hopefully by next episode, but uh, we will definitely announce it online. So like Taylor said, keep an eye out. Um, yeah, and I think um, it kind of depends on what our um, our yeah, the place that makes our T-shirts, it depends on what depends on what they're charging us to make a shirt. Um, but any profits we make, um, and like I said, that fluctuates from year to year. But any profits we make go immediately to the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. Yeah, one hundred percent. I'm uh, I'm pretty excited about this year's design. If it turns out how I want it to, if not, then it's going to be a total fucking failure. And <laughs> I'm going to be really sad. I hope you have a backup plan. Uh, no. Good. I don't make backup plans. I just make it work. God damn it. Our backup plan is to take last year's design and just change it to an eight. Right. Yeah. It just does not even like change the actual art. Just like write an eight over it. <laughs> Put an X and a little eight over that. <laughs> last year's shirt was good though. We had actual professional artists draw it for yeah. us. 
Um, so cool, 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 cool. Anything else new? Anything you want to talk about? Um, no, not really. All right, neat. <laughs> Actually, um, you know, uh, one of our our favorite movies of the year so far has been Mom and Dad. Yeah, so good. Did you see Nicolas Cage? Is like, yeah, let's make a second one. Uh, yeah. And I'm like, fucking yeah. Yes, please make a second one. <laughs> make make a third and fourth and fifth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they were talking about this. Uh, we're we're both in a Facebook group. Um, with uh, actually mo- admin by Alex from Behind the Void or Beyond the Void. Sorry. Um, it's okay. He doesn't listen. <laughs> fuck him anyway. <laughs> um, and uh, they're talking about mom and dad too. And I was like, I want there to be five sequels. And a TV show and a remake. In Six seasons years. and a movie. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, just give me, just give me all the crazy, all the all the crazy cage. Yeah, the rage and cage. Hashtag rage and cage. Um. Yeah, I mean, I could even even with without Nicolas Cage, I could see that being something that could carry on. You know, just different story. Like I mean, like the the um the purge. Yeah. Like how they could basically cover the same night just from different perspectives of different people. I want to see um, Mom and Dad 7 starring Jake Busey. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And Gary Gary Busey. Special appearance by Gary Busey. Stabbing him in the ass. Hell yes. (laughs) Cool. Uh, Also in sequel news, uh, they're talking about it too now. They're actually casting. Yeah. And some interesting choices. I mean, Jessica Chastain, everyone knew was going to happen. Yeah. I mean, it's, when when she said, like, so uh, the the girl that played Beverly, totally spacing on her name right now, um, but she actually said that she wanted Jessica Chastain to play the older version of her. And then I think as soon as uh, sh- she caught wind of that, she's like, fuck yeah, I'll play that. And, I mean, she's worked with uh, Machete before, so. Right. Um and uh, and then they're talking about Bill Hader as uh, as Richie. Yeah, apparently in talks. I'm I'm totally good with that casting. Yeah, I think I think that's great. The only one I'm not too keen on is uh, James McAvoy for Bill. Um, now anybody that's read it, <clears throat> uh, you know the Losers Club in the second. Well, when they're older, they're actually in their like mid or early forties. And, you know, Bill, he's become a very successful writer, um, married to, you know, a, a well-known, gorgeous actress. You know, he's doing well for himself, but he's also let himself go. You know, he's started to go bald, um, and, you know, he's gotten kind of a gut. He's just, he's become a middle-aged man. And that actually comes into play in the book, is how they're all, you know, they're not, none of them are kids anymore. Um, and, you know... I <laughs> just think of James McAvoy in Split when he's all fucking cut up and he's got a shaved head and shit. Sure, yeah. And it's just like, that's not who I picture as Bill. Yeah. It's like, if he wants to do like kind of like a balding hairstyle and, um, you know, you know, pack on a few pounds, then sure. I mean, there's nothing saying that Bill's not a handsome guy. In fact, actually, that is something that Beverly makes clear is that he actually is really handsome. He's just let himself go. So, I could see McAvoy potentially playing Bill, but not in his current state. He sure, needs to yeah. kind of dress down he needs a little to bit. Start hitting the pizza. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, 
So, uh, and yeah. you know, while we're on the subject of it, R.I.P. Harry Anderson. Yeah, where the hell did that come that from? That was a bummer. He was sixty-two, something like that. Yeah, man, that's rough. That sucks. Yeah, no close-up magic anymore. I know. Not that he was doing it, you know, lately. And that night court reunion's never going to happen. Now. Fuck. <laughs> oh, <clears throat> and um, who else died? Somebody else died. Vern Troyer died. Yeah, Minnie Me died on Saturday. Um, and there was some Swedish DJ that everyone keeps telling me, oh, if you heard his songs, you'd know who he is. But I guess he died. Yeah, Avicii. Yeah. He did um, a remix of that Aloe Black song. Um, Again, maybe if I heard it. I can hear it in my head, but I can't think of how... Like, I can't express it. Um, so wake me up when it's all over. Oh. Yeah, he did like a kind of a dancey remix of that. And that, I think... That's how I know about him. Okay. But I, apparently he's popular beyond that. I don't know. It did seem like it was a really big deal. I was kind of surprised. Like, it was everywhere. Yeah. Uh, it almost seemed like... Almost, oh, yeah. Barbara Bush died. Yeah. That's a thing. Um, But it almost seemed like it was almost as publicized as when she died. <laughs> yeah, really? But anyway. Cool. So... And Trump didn't go to anybody's funerals. No, nobody's. He wouldn't play golf instead. Did you see the, the? it's not really a meme, it's just a picture that was captured of Melania Trump sitting next to Obama. And, you know, he's like leaning over talking to her and she's just glowing. She's smiling <laughs> like larger than I've ever seen her smile. And anybody has. And it's just like, there's this big internet explosion. It's just like, oh, I'm sure. It's like Trump has never made Melania smile like this before. <laughs> Like, well, that's just that Obama power, man. <laughs> he's he's that fucking Mac Daddy, man. Anyway. Anyway. Neat. Anything else? Before we, we uh oh, say, yes. say what's up to some some special folks. Some very special folks because they give us money. Hey, I like money. <laughs> I like money. <laughs> but yes, on Patre- uh, Patreon, we have patrons on Patreon. <laughs> I did on purpose. Did you? I made it sound stupid on purpose. Uh huh. <laughs> sure you did. No, but these people uh, care enough about us and our show uh, and the product that we put out and to give us money every month, uh, and we appreciate them greatly. Uh, they are Kevin Nescota, Jordan Morrison, Kevin Trent, Joshua Hodges, Carlos Rodella, the Horror Addicts, and Max. Is he still doing Max Health? Or he no, still... he dropped the Max Health thing. Okay, it's just Max Zaleski now. Hey. <laughs> Um. Uh, but yeah, we're hugely appreciative to those people. Taylor, um, you know, we're always accepting more patrons. There's no limit to how many patrons we can have. <laughs> if somebody else would like to uh, help us out, where can they go? They can go over to patreon.com slash graveplotpodcast. There's no line. You can jump straight to the front and uh, get get perks, including exclusive content for as little as $1. Yeah. You can pick uh, pick monthly reviews for us to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Taylor will send you nude pictures laying on a tiger skin rug for Burt, $100. Burt Reynolds style. Yeah, Burt Reynolds. He'll even rock that uh, porno ma- mustache, too. Sure. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, and also uh, one of the perks is watching a live feed of our Drunken Cinemas, which we started doing again Yep. after, after a long... Uh, Hiatus. Hiatus, that's the word. 
uh, which is live now. It's on our website. Go check it out. Yeah, great. Event Horizon. Yep. Great movie. Great underrated movie. So go check that out. Watch along with us and drink heavily because then we're funnier. Yep. I think I'm funnier when I'm drunk, so maybe you'll think I'm funnier when I'm drunk. I think you're funnier too. when I'm drunk. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it works. Okay. <laughs> so are we ready to start the show? Indeed. All right. Well, from here, we're going to go ahead and jump into some real world... I mean, yes, but... Yes, where should we start with Real World Horror. That's how we usually do it. But, but Real World Horror is part of... Horror Business! Alright, everyone. Uh, just, just a warning for the rest of the show. I am getting over a cold, so... Yeah. Uh, if I'm sniffling and... Snorting and doing all that gross shit during the show. That's why. Anyway, uh, so. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah, you know, we went to, oh, we went to the Bone Bat uh, Comedy of Horrors Film oh, Festival on, uh, not this past Saturday, but this past Saturday before. Um, and uh, that was really awesome. Mm-hmm. So thanks to Stephen Gordon for having us out. Um, but, you know, we rode the bus from your apartment to the theater and like I never ride the bus because I think it's disgusting, <laughs> and I don't like the people on the bus. And you know I haven't had a cold in a really long time. And we rode the bus on Saturday, and Sunday I got sick. So I think there's something to me not riding the bus. Sounds like you need you need to build up your immunities. Immunities. What the hell are immunities? Okay. So, uh, real world horror. Um, you want to go down to uh, West Virginia? Uh, is it better than Florida? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, because in West Virginia, uh, 41-year-old Rowena... Sh- is it Rowena? Yeah, Cheryl Mills. Or Rona. Could just be Rona. Whatever. Doesn't matter. She's crazy. Because she was arrested and charged with second-degree murder for decapitating her... Uh, who is this person? Just just he's a guy? A, he's a guy. He's a guy named Bo. All right. His name's Bo White, 29 years old, a former person. Because um, <laughs> he did. That's fucked. <laughs> what? That's just a fucked up thing to say. He's an ex-person. Uh, yes, she decapitated him. Decapitated. Decaffeinated. These are real people's lives we're talking about here. Yeah, it's tragic. But you know what? Sometimes in tragedy, you need a little bit of levity, too. Okay. Because <laughs> if we can't laugh at death, what can we laugh at? So many other things. <laughs> anyway, um, according to a criminal complaint, uh, Mills had been in the woods, uh, was covered in blood, and had a pocket knife in her pants when she arrived at another residence. Wait, did she cut his head off with a pocket knife? It kind of sounds that way. That would take so long. Take a very long time. I mean, I guess it kind of depends on what you're calling a pocket knife, though, because, I mean, I, I call this a pocket knife. So. Still, though, that would still take a long time. Well, you know. To cut off someone's head? Yeah. Um, the homeowners at said residence uh, called the authorities, and, and after they offered to give her a ride, or, sorry, after they give her, fuck, offered to give her a ride, uh, and she refused to leave the property. Um, let's <laughs> just imagine it's like open the door. It's like, 
person covered in blood. Can I give you a ride somewhere? <laughs> no? Then go away. Yeah, fuck off now. <laughs> uh, if I saw somebody standing at my door covered in blood, I would not even open it. Yeah. I would not acknowledge that they were there. I would call the cops immediately. Yeah. Um, while Mills was being taken for questioning, she told the deputy, you have to let me, or you have to take me back and let me get my heads. Heads? So there are many heads involved. Plural? Several people, presumably. I mean, unless she's just lying. Right. Uh, so let's see. Um, Prosecutor George Sittler said, uh, we do not know if he was killed by the beheading or if he had expired before that. I mean, let's assume so, because one would think a guy would not just let a woman, you know, cut his head off with a or knife. Or another man, for that matter. What's that? What did I say? You said, you said a man wouldn't let a woman cut his head off with a knife. And I said, or another man, for that matter. I wouldn't let oh, anyone. Well, like, I wouldn't, sure, I wouldn't yeah. just let someone cut off my head. Yeah, yeah. But I, gender, gender neutral. Right. The point is, yeah, that she was apparently cutting his head off with a, with a pocket knife. It's not like she just lopped it off with a fucking scimitar or something. Right. Um, and, you know, you'd think you wouldn't just sit calmly for that. You would think. Yeah. I mean, unless he was incapacitated or something. What, I think we're making a lot of assumptions, though. What gets me is that uh, this prosecutor, George Sittler, did nothing to address the fact that she said, you have to take me back and let me get my heads. Right. Like, I have questions about that. Yeah. It's like, how many heads, for Who, starters? Whose heads are they? <laughs> Where are these heads? And why? <laughs> why heads? Uh, so that's just a barrel of fun. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> um, a lot of decapitations, I am I feel. Seems like over like the last year or so, we've been reporting on a lot of decapitations. Yeah. I mean, maybe they've been happening all along, and we're just like more, more in tune right now, because we're actually like <laughs> looking for real world stories, real world horror stories. Yeah, it's fucked up, though. Yeah. That's my final word. Moral, it's moral, fucked up. Moral of the story. Shit's fucked up. <laughs> anyway, um, any more word on the, on this matter? Uh, don't don't cut people's heads off. Yeah, it's not it's not nice. So we know Stranger Things is coming back. Yep, for season three. Woo! Or part three, because they 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 don't call them seasons. They act like they're movies. They just called season two Stranger Things two. Right. So we we know there's gonna be a Stranger Things three, and we now know that uh, the Dread Pirate Roberts himself, Carrie Yules, is going to be uh, in Stranger Things three, as well as one Mister Jake Busey. Yeah. Uh, this, I'm so happy about this. <laughs> this was announced a variety by Netflix's chief content director, Ted Sarandos. Uh, Carrie Yules is going to be playing the new mayor or current mayor. I don't know. Have they shown a mayor? 
yet. Not point. that I can recall, but doesn't mean it didn't happen. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, he's going to be Mayor Klein. And according to Ted Sarandos, he's your typical 80s politician, more concerned with his own image than with the people of the small town he governs. Right. Which sounds about par for the course for the roles he plays. Yeah. He always plays just some smarmy jack off. A little, little sleazy. Yeah. Even even in Saw. Like, he's a doctor, but he's still a little bit slimy. Right. And, you know, I mean, like Princess Bride, he's the hero, but he's also <clears throat> kind of a douche. Yeah. That whole as-you-wish bullshit. Fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> you got a little gold star there? Right here? Yeah. Yeah. That whole thing? Yeah. Is that part of the jersey? Yeah. Oh. Why? Because they won the championship. Oh. Okay. So Wait, so they win a... They win a championship and they actually get a gold star. Yeah, just for one season, then it t- turns into silver. Children get gold stars. <laughs> That's the point I'm making. Anyway, um, what was I saying? You weren't saying anything. I wasn't. I don't think so. Oh, you were just saying Carriols is a smarmy bastard. Yeah, uh, like Despero. Yeah, Despero's tight though. Yeah, Despero's sweet. <laughs> Um, as for Jake Busey, he'll be taking on the role of Bruce, a reporter from the town's newspaper with questionable morals and a sick sense of humor. So these two again, guys, <laughs> these two guys are really spreading their wings <laughs> as actors. Um, on top of that, uh, we also learned that Maya Hawk, who is the daughter of Ethan Hawk hey. and, and Uma Thurman, uh, <laughs> great plot favorite, Ethan, <laughs> Ethan Hawk, uh, will be joining the cast as a new lead named Robin. Are these they're just gonna keep adding kids? Apparently. I mean eventually they're just gonna have a whole classroom. It's I mean be daunting. Dustin and Will need girlfriends still. I mean, I guess. <laughs> if Will can fucking stay out of trouble, Jesus. Yeah. He's I, a fucking liability. Is season three gonna be just Will getting fucked over again? I really hope not, because I'm getting kind of sick of it. <laughs> yeah, like I Okay, this is fucked up, but at what point does Will just go, you know what? I'm just going to kill myself. This is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> or it's like, at what point does his, are his friends just like... Like, he's not going to make it to that teen angst period. Right. Yeah, I mean, like, honestly, if, were, if I were one of his friends, I'd be like, dude, I just, I can't have this in my life anymore. Or what about his friend's parents? I don't want you hanging out with that buyer's boy. Yeah. He's, he's, uh, he's, he's, a, he's always up to no good. Yeah. He is just a trouble magnet. He's always just summoning monsters from other dimensions. <laughs> and trying to get people killed. Like Bob. R.I.P. Oh, Bob. He was like Barb, but cool. Yeah, Bob was too good for this world. <laughs> He's too beautiful. <laughs> My heart. Um, so, I think this isn't coming out until 2019. Womp So, uh, don't get too hyped. I hate when shows do that. It's like, oh, we'll put out one season, and then next year we'll put another season, and then you have to wait two years. Yeah. Well, I mean, everybody's in high demand now. Yeah, I guess. Apparently, uh, Millie Bobby Brown's got her own production company. What? Yeah. She's like 14. Yeah. Fuck her. <laughs> <coughs> this is bullshit. But yeah, I'm I'm ready for more Stranger Things. Oh yeah, uh, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, bear, 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 bear fucker. Oh, uh, I gotta go see part two. I'm so hype on that. The trailer looks so good. 
So good. So good. Riding along in my automobile. My baby beside me at the wheel. I stole a kiss at the turn of a mile. My curiosity running wild. Cruising and playing the radio. So what seems like forever ago, we talked about uh, the adaptation of Joe Hill's book, Nosferatu. Um which is one of his best-selling novels. It is a fantastic book. I really recommend that any um, any Stephen King fan or any just you know horror fan in general definitely go check it out um, and even check out the uh, the the graphic novel prequel. That's good too. It's called Wraith. I thought maybe it was like Nesforal One. <laughs> no, <laughs> that'd be stupid. <laughs> um. I can't remember how long long ago the book came out, but I know it must it, was it last year or the year before we talked about this first. It was a while ago. Yeah, and like I mean, so long ago that I don't remember talking about it. But we talked uh, talked about the the rights being optioned. Um, I could swear we talked about AMC picking up the rights, or I don't know if we just maybe mused about it. Um, but it has officially been greenlit at AMC. Um. Jamie O'Barr uh, created the show. O'Brien. Where did I see O'Barr? Okay. <laughs> oh, maybe I'm thinking James O'Barr, the crow. I don't know. Uh, Jason Momoa is the crow. James O'Barr is the guy that created the crow. Jason Jason Cromoa. Cromoa. <laughs> uh, Jamie O'Brien. on that crow team. <laughs> Jamie O'Brien, who's behind uh, Fear the Walking Dead and Hell on Wheels, um, created the show for television. That gives me pause because Fear the Walking Dead is awful. Um, and I've she, heard it gets better. I've heard a lot of things. That's all I can say. Every time somebody talks about Fear the Walking Dead, I'm like, yeah, I tried. To, I know, I know it gets better, but whatever. <laughs> I just don't care enough. Um, but she will be serving as a showrunner and executive producer. Um. And Joe Hill's going to be EPN too. Right. I mean, <laughs> you say, yeah, just just sign my name. It's just, it's Joseph Hill. <laughs> Two L's. <coughs> um, yeah, I'm pretty excited about this. Like I said, the book is amazing. Um, and even though somebody involved in Fear of the Walking Dead is behind it, I will still give it a chance because I'm I'm pretty hyped. Um, what is Hell on Wheels? I don't know if I'm familiar with that. Uh, if I recall, it was like um, like a um, Western drama. Interesting. Maybe not Western, but like that, um, you know, mid 19th century. I think it may have actually taken place in like the East somewhere. <coughs> The Midwest, somewhere, somewhere in there, mm. not necessarily Western, but cowboys, that type of stuff. Gotcha. Um, those not familiar with Nosferatu tells the story of Victoria McQueen, aka Vic. Um, she is a girl that's been trouble, like troubled throughout her life with these visions um, that she is able to uh, basically. She can she can find things. She has this ability to find what she's looking for. 
uh, as long as she has kind of, uh, I don't know, I'm digging too deep into the plot, I guess. She just, she has this ability to find things that she's looking for. And this leads her into the path of one Charlie Manx, um, who is essentially a vampire. He feeds on children, uh, feeds on the souls of children um, by dragging them into this extra dimensional place called Christmas land. Um, and, uh, yeah, so basically Manx has, um, haunted her since her childhood, essentially. Um, and, uh, then when her own child becomes threatened and involved in this whole thing, that's when she kind of starts to strike back. Um, I don't know how they can create this and like make this into an ongoing series, um, I honestly only see maybe one or two seasons that can be made out of this unless they really stretch it out. Hmm. Um, so that I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see how they're going to conceive this. Um, but, uh, Joe Hill said, I couldn't be more excited about the forthcoming adaptation of Nosferatu. I know it's in good hands with showrunner Jamie O'Brien. Her beautifully composed scripts show a writer at the height of her powers uh, one who has an exquisite touch with character and a relentless instinct for suspense. So I'm really hoping that Joe Hill's not as much of a shill as his dad is. <laughs> um, and that he like actually recognizes true talent when he sees it. Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping that his praise actually means something. Sure. But we'll see. Um, I don't think we have any kind of uh, target date yet. At least not to my knowledge. I don't think so. Um, but uh, we'll keep our eyes out um, now that, you know, it's, it's been a long time since we've talked about this, you know, since the, the previous time. But now the, the ball seems to be rolling. Well, sure, we'll, sure we'll keep up on this. So, a movie currently in theaters that's getting a lot of hype, and justifiably so in the opinion of the Grave Plot Podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, check out our last episode for our review of A Quiet Place, uh, directed by one Mr. John Krasinski. Uh, he has already signed on for his follow-up, which is going to be a sci-fi thriller called Life on Mars. Uh, it's based on a short story by Cecil Castellucci, titled We Have Always Lived on Mars. Uh, <laughs> All right. <laughs> Uh, it's it's a story of Nina, one of the few descendants of a human colony on Mars that was abandoned on Earth, who is surprised to discover that she can breathe the toxic atmosphere of the Martian surface. The crew, thinking their, their attempts at terraforming and breeding for Martian adaptivity have finally paid off, rejoice at the prospect of a brighter future, but Nina's about to unlock the mystery of the disaster that stranded them on Mars, and nothing will ever be the same. There's a lot of ambiguity there. Yeah, that means nothing. Yeah, I've, I'm not familiar with the story, um, and I don't know how much of a horror this is going to be. I mean, you know, a lot of people are arguing that A Quiet Place isn't really a horror movie. Eh, there's monsters. Everyone wants to come. I, I've seen people point out that every time a horror movie starts to get positive recognition, the people crawl out of the woodwork like fucking cockroaches. Well, technically, it's not actually a horror movie. Yeah, like with it. Yeah, how is it not a horror movie? Yeah, it's a horror book. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing about it that's not horror. 
It's about a clown that eats children. Yeah. He's a fucking monster. Yeah. And A Quiet Place, it, like you said, it has monsters. What it has more do monsters. You need? It has suspense. It has terror. What? Yeah. What What exactly is missing that makes it not a horror movie? Gore? Fucking idiots. Is that it? There's gore. I mean, to an extent. Yeah. I could have done with more gore, but. Sure. But, uh, yeah. This yeah. sounds like it might not be as much of a horror, but then again, I don't know what this, and nothing will ever be the same. That's a very dramatic. Well, I mean, it doesn't really describe itself as a um, sci-fi thriller, or as a, as a horror. It describes itself as a sci-fi th- by thriller. I was going to say, that's exactly how it describes itself. <laughs> um, what I don't understand is the premise. Uh, so she's a descendant of a human colony on Mars that was abandoned by Earth. So it's these people, like generations of people that have lived on Mars. Mm-hmm. And now she can breathe the atmosphere of the Martian surface. I don't feel like that should be too much of a shock because of its several generations I mean, you're talking about evolution. eventually that's going to happen. Yeah. yeah, I mean, one would think. Have you heard about this movie on Netflix called Titan? Mm-hmm. I haven't watched it yet, but it sounds interesting. Basically, it's Sam Worthington, which kind of gives me pause because he's kind of a shit actor. But um, apparently, he's he's like a like a soldier who volunteers to um, essentially be changed at the genetic level to become like a evolved human so that the human race can move to a different planet because the, you know, earth has just become unsalvageable. Um, and so they, the, the military or and, you know, the government wants to start um, creating superhumans that can breathe this atmosphere on another planet. Um, I think it's like uh, the, one of the moons of uh, Saturn or something like that. Um, sounds interesting. I haven't watched it yet, but my uh, my dad and my father actually both said it was pretty good. So, huh. I haven't yeah. heard anything about it. This this, this yeah, description kind of a little similar. Uh, so Krasinski gonna be reteaming with the folks over at Platinum Dunes, the, the uh, self-proclaimed geniuses. One Mr. Michael Bay, Andrew Form, and Brad Fuller. I mean, Quiet Place was good, so I I at least feel like Platinum Dunes has like a better track record than say Blumhouse. Well, sure, Blumhouse is shit. Yeah, all the time. I'll give BH Tilt a chance every once in a while. Sure, because they just buy movies that have already been made. Yeah, (laughs) they're not like here. Here's seven dollars. Go make a movie. Mm -hmm. If it makes a thousand dollars, we win. Yeah, like with fucking Truth or Dare. Yeah, which just lost its ass as far as a like a major motion picture goes, but it made its budget back and profit. Sixfold. Yeah. 600% profit. By the way, it made 18 million dollars. Yeah. So they're going to make more. So for those of you who aren't good at math, that means it had a budget of 3 million dollars. Boogeyman had a higher budget. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're getting off topic here, but to Bumhouse's credit, their format is genius. Sure. Make cheap, shitty movies that people will flock to the theaters to see because you've got some fucking CW star in it. Um, you know, people will pay their fucking 10 to 15 bucks to watch it. Even if they don't like it, you still got that money. 
Yep. And if you turn a 600% profit, then like, fuck yeah, we're going to do it again. Yep. It's like, even if we make less, if we make a 400% profit, we're still making money. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, because of that, as somebody who appreciates film um, and, you know, well-made movies, fuck them. Yeah. And it's just getting terrible reviews too. On top of that. So. Oh yeah, everything about it. Like even like reviews and and viewers alike have just said it's total dog shit. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, our Blumhouse rant. Yeah. Uh, Paramount, who distributed Quiet Place, is currently in negotiations to pick up the project, uh, even though there is no writer on board, and Krasinski at this stage is not expected to star. So basically, they've got an idea and a director. Yeah. Uh, I I feel like him starring in it had a lot to do with the with Quiet Place's success. That's what got people into the theater. I think. Yeah, probably. I mean, aside from the fact that he was directing it. Yeah, and I mean also Emily Blunt. Well, sure. She was, from what I read, she was kind of like an afterthought. Like, I I remember hearing that Krasinski didn't want her to be in it. Yeah, or I don't know if it was like he didn't want her to be in it, or he just didn't really consider That's what it. I had heard. Okay, well, maybe that's the case. And she know. basically talked him into it. Mm. Maybe so. She was like, no sex for a month if I'm not in it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Could be cool. John Krasinski's he's a hot item right now. He's, he's so hot right now. So, I don't know. Neat. We'll keep an eye on it. So those of you that know me, Taylor knows me, and you know, maybe a couple other people know me. Most of you probably don't know me, but... <laughs> I really love full moon movies, full moon uh, films, full moon productions, whatever name they're going by now. Um, just make these, you know, low budget indie movies. Uh, they've been doing it for decades now. I think they mostly focus on softcore porn. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's a thing. Um, but one of their claims to fame, one of the most popular movies is a movie called Castle Freak which stars one Jeffrey Combs. Um, Don't most of their movies star Jeffrey Combs? <laughs> no, actually. That's the only full moon movie I can think of that he's been in. Is Reanimator not full moon? No. Oh. They may have distributed it at one point, but it's not a full moon movie. Oh, okay. Um. Anyway, so uh, yeah, they're remaking Castle Freak, which is... Because why not? Because fuck it. We've remade everything else. Yeah, Full Moon's just jumping on the remake uh, wagon. Oh. How did that get down there? What? Look at the last line. Oh. Oops. Uh, <laughs> flashback to our Nosferatu story, which apparently ended up in our Castle Rig story. Uh, AMC's going to premiere a 10-episode first season uh, in 2019. So get hype, guys. Okay, so Castle Rig. Back to Castle Rig. <laughs> Um, uh, the remake's going to be directed by Tate Steinsky or Stein, 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 Stein,
complicated <laughs> fucking name. Uh, who served as the creature slash puppet designer and special effects coordinator on Cinestate's upcoming Puppet Master of the Littlest Reich. Now that is a reboot of Puppet Master? That's the impression I got, but I, I don't know for sure. It could be another prequel. That timeline's so fucking confusing. I don't understand Oh yeah, it it's all. it's so fucked. It's so funny how the first movie... But Tom know, Lennon is in it. <clears throat> is he? Yeah. <laughs> Slumming. But, you know, the first Puppet Master, it makes, you know, you know Andre, Andre Toulon's in it for like five seconds. Um, in the second one, he looks... They make him out to be a villain. In the third one, he uh, I think the, I think the third one is the first prequel, and he's like uh, a hero, like he's the protagonist. So, and then doesn't the fourth one like take place in between three and one? Yes. <laughs> the fuck out of here. Yeah, there. I think there are more prequels than actual legit sequels, and then you cross over with like demonic toys. And all that shit is real fucking confusing. Uh, and it's like you don't really know what's canon either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so Charles Band, who is the creator of Full Moon, uh, is going to produce, along with Babs Crampton. <laughs> Big Bad Babs. <clears throat> uh, which is weird. I mean... Sure, but yeah, like her name just kind of came out of nowhere. <laughs> it's like, all right, I mean, she doesn't have like any attachment to. Uh... Oh no, she was in the first Puppet Master movie for like five seconds. Wait, was she? Yeah. As who? She was uh, the girl, the the one that was uh, the the one person who was the White Witch, and she was like a fortune teller. She was the one who was seeing her at like the circus, getting her fortune tell told. Oh, yeah. She was in it for maybe about a minute. Weird, <laughs> weird, wild stuff. Uh, Steinstick, 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 Tate. <laughs> Let's just call him Tate. Yeah, Taters, Tater Salad, <laughs> Tater Salad. Uh, broke the news on Instagram, writing so I can finally announce. I'm directing the upcoming reboot of Castle Freak. It's such an honor to not, or to be taking not only a Stuart Gordon classic, but also embracing the world of Lovecraft. Thank you, uh, sin a statement. I think there's supposed to be a comma there. Oh wait, sin a state. Charles Band is that Fingler. is that Charles Band's like name or? Like I think that's sin a state's. Sin a state is the studio behind it. Oh right. <laughs> uh, thank you, Cinestate, uh, Charles Band, and Fangoria for the opportunity. Now, wait a minute. How did Fangoria get in there? That's a that's a that's a question. I don't know. <laughs> and also, I Fangoria is never mentioned in the article. <laughs> uh, fuck if I know, man. Also, How good I, is it to have Fangoria back, though? It's pretty sweet. I honestly didn't see that coming. I know. Me neither. I don't know, and it's like it was such a short gap too. They shut down, and then like a month later, like, "Hey, we're back!" Yeah, like, oh, welcome back. <laughs> <laughs> um. Also, I didn't. I guess I never realized that Stuart Gordon directed the first one. You didn't? No. Even I knew that. Well, fuck you. <laughs> uh, 
you know, the first Puppet Master might be the best one, but it's also like not still not very good. <laughs> I, I'm not we reviewed a, it. You guys can go back and listen to our review. Yeah, I'm not a big Puppet Master fan, like in general. Um, but it, you know, it's full moon, so I just have that connection with it, that affinity. Uh, Tater Salad also said it's going to be fucking brutal. Yes, brutal. Uh, more news coming soon. Yeah, and then uh, AMC will premiere the ten episode first season of Rose Brought to 2019. <laughs> so get excited for more Puppet Master guys. Have you you've seen the puppets, right? Wait, we, we're talking about Puppet Master now. That's what we've been talking. We've been about. talking about Castle Freak, bro. Yep, <laughs> Castle Freak. <laughs> That's so off. But no, they they fucked up Blade proper. Yeah, I don't know why he looks like a he, he's got a skull face now. Yeah, I don't know why they did that. <laughs> I do like the party frog though. Yeah, I don't know what that's about, but he seems like a cool guy. Is his name Party Frog? I don't know. If it's not, it should be. <laughs> should write a letter, dear Charles Band. Uh, I mean, you know, maybe in the Castle Freak uh, remake, they can make the Castle Freak look more freakish. I mean, he was pretty fucked up to begin with, but there's a whole world of things they could do now that they couldn't do in the early 90s. That's true. As long as they make sure he doesn't have a dick and that his asshole's sewn shut. How that's possible, I don't know. (laughs) I don't don't want them to show that. (laughs) Well, that's the thing about the original Castle Freak. Like, he didn't, like, like, the cut off his dick, or whoever, whoever, like, his keeper, whoever it was, Cut off his dick and also sewed his asshole shut. That's fucked up. Yeah, so he couldn't fuck and he couldn't shit. Like, how angry would you be? I I would be very angry. Yeah. He got so mad that he bit a hooker's nipple off. I, I don't know if I would do that, but... <laughs> I mean, who knows what a man who knows? can't shit. When you can't shit or fuck, yeah. I mean, you've been constipated before, I'm sure. Yeah? Yeah. It's a rough time. It's no good. <laughs> you get real upset. <laughs> anyway... So at one point, Neil Blomkamp was supposed to make a new Alien movie. And I missed those days. Uh, instead, we got two terrible Ridley Scott movies. Yeah. Uh, so Neil Blomkamp was like, you know what? Fuck you. I'm just going to go start my own studio. <laughs> and he did. And it's called Oats Studio. Uh, he's put out a series of short films. And they've all been fairly kick-ass. Yeah? I don't know. You haven't, you haven't watched any of them? Nope. <laughs> Good. Uh, one of them is called Firebase, which is about American soldiers in Vietnam who come up upon a uh, horrifying creature that seems to defy the laws of nature. Uh, it's called the River God, and it's it's a construct that goes out of control. And the universe essentially generates an antivirus program in the form of a soldier to try and contain the threat. The universe creates it. Yep. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> this sounds like a full moon movie. <laughs> Uh, he now wants to make a sequel, but he wants it to be a feature length uh, f- feature. Yeah, he tried to crowdfund it. Did you did you see this news uh, like yesterday, the day before? No. 
Yeah, they tried to crowdfund it, and all the money they made refunded it. Why? Because they couldn't get all the money they wanted, and they they basically told people, "It's like we don't want to make a we don't want to make the movie that we can afford. We want to make the movie that we envisioned. So if we can't get that goal, then we're just going to give you your money back." Weird, because originally he said that he would scale the length and scope of the film depending on how much money they raised. That's not what I saw yesterday. <laughs> He said, if the campaign raises $40, Oates will film a cat video set in the Firebase world. <laughs> he said, if they raise $100 million, they'll shoot a feature film trilogy. Yeah, I mean, this... So did they make less than $40? I, th- I thought they made, you know, a few thousand. I don't re- I don't quite recall, but... Let me see if I can find it. Go ahead and keep talking. Well... Uh... <laughs> Unless this is completely irrelevant now. <laughs> yeah, it kind of is. <laughs> He was looking for $30 million, which is a little insane for a crowdfunding. Uh, the largest crowdfunding campaign ever was for Veronica Mars, of all things. Yeah. Uh, which raised $5.7 million. So still about six times lower than what Blomkamp was looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't using Kickstarter or Indiegogo or anything like that. He was actually just using the Oat Studios website. And he said he wasn't going to do any kind of perks or anything. Mm-hmm. Basically, it was like, if you want to support us, then your money is going entirely to fund this thing. Yeah. We're not going to take your money and then go buy you a t-shirt with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was the thing is, yeah, no perks whatsoever. That was. Well, not yeah. not entirely because uh, they got early access to the film, behind the scenes videos, your name in the credit and a PDF of the the concept art. So you do get something, mm. but it's all stuff that would exist otherwise. Sure. It's not like perks of crowdfunding exclusive items. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he said, yes, I want the product. Or he said, the culture of crowdfunding is like, yes, I want the product, but I also want all of these different items. And none of those dollars are going into the product that you say you want. If you like what we're making, fund us to make more. And I was going to give you the website, but if they're apparently not collecting anymore, then... <laughs> Yeah, I guess if you if you go to the website, which was fuel.oatstudios.com, you are now taken to their online store. <laughs> yeah, so Oat Studios tweeted uh, yesterday, so Saturday, um, to all backers of Firebase, Oats will be refunding everyone who competed, who contributed completely. Unfortunately, we didn't raise enough to do something truly awesome. We'd rather over-deliver than create an average film. We thank the thousands of people who did back us. Hang in there. So, I don't know. I mean, I don't know where they're going from here, but apparently the plans they had stalled. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's completely contradictory to what their statement was. I want to see more of that. (laughs) Yeah. The effects and shit in it are awesome. So, I wonder, are they going to go back to making shorts and just... I mean, they got to do something. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I mean, if nothing else, they got to keep building hype, you know? Yeah, exactly. So, and I mean, nobody's letting him make real movies, so. Yeah. So yeah, check out OatsStudios.com and uh, watch watch some short films and just, you know, pine for what could have been. Right. I mean, maybe if they get enough support, they'll go back to it at some point. Who knows? Right, maybe. I mean, it's an interesting idea and it's, you know, the the effects that we've seen thus far look really cool mm-hmm. so who knows who knows indeed 
So that's going to wrap things up for horror business. Hey, we're halfway through the show, guys. Hey. Um, so, uh, don't worry. Cool. It's not over because we still have such sights to show you. Yeah. So gear up and prepare for our film reviews. So, uh, this episode, guys, um, our reviews are dedicated to the non-Doug Bradley uh, versions. Virgins. Virgins. The non-Doug Bradley editions of the Hellraiser series. Now, there have been two movies now where someone else has played Pinhead. Uh, Doug Bradley played Pinhead for seven movies. and there Eight. Eight? No. Eight? Yeah. Because they said Judgment is the tenth one. I guess I'm forgetting one somewhere. Anyway, um, so yeah, this is the second of the non-Doug Bradley, or we've, we're now, what am I doing? I'm just fucking up. You're just saying words, but not in an order that uh, makes sentences. <laughs> Taco waffle toaster. <laughs> so, okay. Two movies that Doug Bradley is not starred in, um, and uh, we're going to start talking about one right now. Taylor, which one? All right, let's go in chronological and start with Hellraiser Revelations. Are we rolling? Yes. Can you get a shot of downtown L.A. before we, before we say goodbye to it forever? Bye, L.A. This is going to be an epic journey. There is no better buzz than a tequila buzz. That is true. Whoa. I'm going to take her home. She's going to be my souvenir. What did you do? I don't know, okay? I don't know what happened, okay? She hit her head or something. I don't know. This will take you beyond the limits. How much do you want for it? It's yours already, Nico. Your wife's blood. What was that? get it. You guys never talk about Steven and Nico. Emma, please. What, please forget that I had a brother? Please forget that my boyfriend disappeared with him? What is on that video camera? Shut up! Ah! It's Steven! It's an earthquake. Oh Everyone, just stay oh. calm. Somehow, I got signed up to talk about this fucking heap of garbage. <laughs> uh, so this is from 2011, so spoilers ahead, just so you know. Yeah. Um, don't worry about it. If you haven't seen it, just don't. It's a garbage movie. So bad. So this is like, you know, if you talk Hellraiser with people, they'll pretty much tell you that like one and two, maybe three are the only good ones. And they'd be right. I'd, I'd argue that four is really good. I think it's one of the better ones. Which ones are the ones that 
they JJ Abramed. Uh that's gonna be six and seven. Okay. Uh Debtor and Hellworld. And I guess whatever one I'm missing somewhere in the middle. <laughs> I can't think of what it is. Hellseeker? Is that what it is? I don't know. Doesn't matter. Um so this movie was actually the first one since Bloodline that was written to be an actual Hellraiser movie. The other Hellseeker two. is six. Okay. So I know that so there's Hellraiser, Hellraiser Two, Hell on Earth, Bloodlines. What's after that? Inferno. Inferno. Okay, I guess that's the one I'm forgetting. Uh yeah. Inferno's not very good. <laughs> so basically all the ones after four are just garbage. Although I think it's the seventh or eighth one that has a very young Henry Cavill in it. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah like, so there was a couple where they like basically took other scripts and said, put Pinhead in this and make it a Hellraiser movie. Yeah. And one has uh, the same one with Henry Cavill has Lance Henriksen in it. So and, it's, and it's no good. No, it's not good <laughs> at all. It's so stupid because uh, basically there's been a video game called uh Dead, is it called Deader or Dead World? I can't remember. But the people that play are called Deaders. Really creative name. <laughs> um, and uh, I think Lance Henriksen's like the guy that created the game. And like, I don't know, Pinhead's involved in the game somehow. I don't know. It's really fucking stupid. It's kind of like meta almost. It's really dumb. Sounds dumb. <laughs> it's a really bad movie. <laughs> Anyway, this one was no better, even though it was written by Gary Tunnicliffe, who wrote Judgment, which we'll talk about later. Uh, Gary Tunnicliffe is the guy who has done historic, historically done uh, Pinhead's makeup. Well, actually, all the Cenobites' makeup. So why he suddenly wrote one, I don't know, but whatever. Yeah, this was directed by Victor Garcia. When I first saw it, I was like, Victor Garza? Isn't that the Jeepers Creepers the guy? Is it? No, that that's that's Victor Garza. I'm pretty sure. Is that his name? That doesn't sound right. Victor, it's Victor something. Salva. Salva? Is that what it is? Yeah. Okay. Well, fuck him. <laughs> uh, I'm sick, so I got to drink water. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so this came out in 2011, like Taylor said, and. Uh, it's a total shit show. This was a, this was so the Weinstein Company or Dimension Films could hold on to the rights of Hellraiser because they were in, in trouble of losing the franchise because they hadn't made a film, so it was going to revert to whoever. Um, so they basically made this film real quick and got it Two out. Two weeks. There. Huh? Two weeks. Yeah. Um, I don't know how quickly it was written, but... Very short production time, like from from pen to film can, very short. Yeah, um, and a budget of three hundred thousand dollars, and it shows. Oh yeah. So let's get into whatever plot they think exists in this. Um, so a kid named Stephen and his buddy Nico decide they're gonna just scurry away from their hometown, just get away from it all. So this this movie opens 
through the lens of Steven's camera. Right. And as soon as the movie started, I went, oh, no. Yeah. Had you seen this before? No. Oh. 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 <laughs> yeah. You, you basically start out, and it goes on for long enough that you think it's going to be a found footage movie. Yeah. Which it's like, oh, my God. Did they make Pinhead a found footage movie? Did they do that to him? I mean, it's bad enough that Doug Bradley's not in this. And actually, I think the first time I saw this, I didn't know that going in. Because I was surprised. Doug Bradley wasn't in it? Yeah. I was surprised that there was a Hellraiser movie out that I didn't know about. Yeah. And I watched it. I'm like, wait a minute. Who the fuck is this? Now, I've heard (laughs) that Doug Bradley read the script and thought said it was so bad. And that's why he didn't do it. I'm sure. He's got, you know standards there's a whole other story for judgment which we'll talk about later but right um so yeah so they're running away to mexico they're going down to tj and they're gonna catch a donkey show <laughs> tijuana <laughs> so fucking nico keeps saying it yeah and so steven is just a you know kind of a quiet retiring type person um and nico is just the big fucking big mouth the show off and just a really bad actor <laughs> Like, he just does everything too big. Like, there's just yes. too much. Like, right off the bat. <laughs> it's like five in five minutes into the movie, you're just like, I am sick of this guy. Yeah. How soon can he die? <laughs> um, so they're down. Um, down Mexico way? In Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and does it. So, okay. Um, yeah, so a lot of this you're just seeing through the lens of their of their camera, um, and then flash forward a year, just suddenly. Is um, it a year? Yeah, I don't remember them ever saying it amount of time. I feel like they did, regardless of when it was. It's 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 immaterial. It's later, yeah. <laughs> um, so we gather with the two boys' families, you know, their parents, um, and. Or each both sets of parents and Steven's little sister, um, who's also Nico's girlfriend. Um, they gather together. I don't know if this is like a thing that they do, or if just because it's been some you know indeterminate amount of time, a year presumably. Um, but they're getting together for dinner, just to kind of you know have some kind of catharsis. Maybe I guess yeah. Uh, it's, it's, that's another thing. It's really not explained. I guess to to maybe to honor their memory or I guess some kind of memorial. I don't know. I mean, are they close? (laughs) I mean, they, well, I mean, you find out later that at least two of them are very close. Um, and, uh, yeah, so they all get together for dinner and, um, you know, there's a, there's a bit of unsettlement. Because they feel like uh, the daughter, especially um, Emma. Emma, thank you. Uh, she feels that you know nobody ever addressed it. Like the boys disappeared, and nobody knows where they went, and like nobody's nobody talks about it. Nobody's really looked into it. Apparently, Stephen's parents hired a PI at one point and never discussed what they found or didn't find. But what they did apparently find was Stephen's camera, along with a very familiar wooden box. What's funny is the the cops apparently they were just like, well, enough time has passed. This is no longer evidence. Here you go. Oh, was that what it was? I guess it yeah. was that. Okay, I thought that 
you know, they've just been recovered. You know, it was evidence, and the, then the cops were just like, well, this it's been enough time. Here you go. <laughs> sure. With all the tapes and shit still in it. Yeah, I mean, well, the... The tapes that clearly were evidence. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they never found their bodies. Correct. They, they just determined, I presume, through the evidence on the tapes, um, and uh, through what I assume were several crime scenes, um, they just determined the two were dead. You know, a lot of people disappear in Tijuana. That's why Gringo shouldn't go down there. <laughs> um, uh, so there's yeah, just sitting down to dinner, and there seems to be a lot of tension between the four of them. Um, and that's when suddenly Stephen shows up, just out of the blue. I mean, well, he shows up like on the patio or something well i mean i can't remember that that okay. particular point let's, let's instead of trying to go chronologically through the movie let's just talk about what happens in mexico first and get that out of the way okay yeah so basically because yeah there's time jumps and it gets kind of confusing so so nico and steven they're just getting progressively more drunk and they're trying to um just seek out more and more thrills you know try and get deeper and deeper into just the the depravity of you <laughs> Of the of the human condition, uh, and it, it's I guess it's mostly Nico because Stephen seems like he's pretty hesitant and reserved about it. Um, but uh, you know, after Nico kills um, a girl <laughs> for no reason whatsoever, yeah, and it's never really explained. They go to a bar, which I'm pretty sure is just like a warehouse or maybe someone's garage. <laughs> <laughs> And they pick up this girl. They go and they start talking to her. And they're like, hey, how you doing? You, you, what's up, hot lips and all this? And she's like, no habla inglés. <laughs> yeah. It's like, shut up. You're from the fucking valley. <laughs> <laughs> and so then Steven's like starts flirting with her and stuff. And then next thing you know, Nico's fucking her in the bathroom. Right. And Steven's like, that's my girlfriend. <laughs> it's like, I can't believe you did this to me again, man. <laughs> it's like, first of all, no. It's not your girlfriend. You met her like an hour ago. Dude, if we were if we were both still single and, you know, in our early 20s and we were at a party and I was hitting on a girl and I found you fucking her later, I would not talk to you for a long time. <laughs> um but, you know, Stephen, he just they they pass out in the bathroom and wake up in the morning. Um and yeah, this girl is dead. It looks like Nico smashed her head in or something. Yeah. It's never really explained. Like he says that, I don't know, she hit her head or something. I was drunk, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, but it, it looks like he beat her to death. Um, so it progresses on into the next night. And in this bar, um, Nico and Steven meet up with Hobo Joe. Yeah. There's just this hobo guy and this is when it really starts to become basically a replica of the first movie um and basically this guy says oh you know i i know where you can find you know you know pleasures that you've never been able to conceive you know just this really creepy hellraiser clive barker talk yeah <laughs> just you know just basically blurring the lines between pleasure and pain. Nico's like, pain? What, like like bondage? 
And he's just like, no, so much more. It's like, <laughs> I think any rational person would be like, this doesn't sound like something I want to be a part of. I think like before he even got this far, I'd be like, look, here's $5. Just go away. <laughs> go, go away. But yeah, so he gives them the puzzle box. Right. And they go back to their seedy ass motel. And Nico makes like the circle of candles. Mm-hmm. Apparently he knows that's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> well, the, the, the tricky thing about the lament configuration, it always seems to uh, just called to you. It's almost like it instructs you. Yeah. Because, you know, to look at the box, it's like, okay, well, I got to open this somehow. Don't know what to do. Right. And, you know, to the movie's credit, even though this is a giant heap of shit, Emma actually explains the power of the box later. Yeah. It's like, she says, the, like, you, you don't know how to open it. it. It calls to you. You have to want it to open. Which, you know, in uh, Hellraiser 2... Pinhead actually says something similar because um, uh, the doctor's name, I can't remember his name, um, has another girl open the box for him, but but Pinhead and the Cenobites come for him. He says, but I didn't open it. She did. He says, it's not not the action that we pursue. It's the desire. So it's kind of something similar to that. It's like... You gotta want the box to open, yeah. And so when it calls to you, I guess it just maybe instructs you too. Maybe the candles are just for ambiance. I don't know. I don't know. He also took his shirt off. Yeah, <laughs> but this is very. This is almost identical to Frank in the first movie. Yeah. I mean, he meets up with a, a hobo in in Morocco, then he goes to a quiet room with his shirt off and unlocks the box, and he's taken by the Cenobites, which is exactly what happens to. To Nico, fat pinhead shows up. Uh, if you with look at the chains. guy though, uh, Steve Stephen Collins, he doesn't look fat. No, he's not fat. He's tall. He's he's muscular. He's like he's. he's Did a they well-built just like put guy. him in too big of clothes or something? I don't. If you if you look at him, it's not his body. It's his face. He just has a chubby face. I don't think it's it even his chubby face. I think it's just really thick, poorly made applications. Uh. Now. Uh, Doug Bradley, mainly in his younger years, because he's you know he's an old man now. Uh, but in his younger years, he was very ho- like had a very hollow, sharp features. So you know you could put thicker appliances on him, and he wouldn't look like he had a fat face. But this guy, he had a he's a full faced guy, and to put those probably cheaply made applications on him, it just makes him look like he's got a big fat face. Yeah. So, but that's beside the point. He looked like a fat pinhead. Yes. <laughs> and that does not strike the fear in the hearts of men. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, pinhead shows up. He says, we come for the, you know, you who calls us and you open the box. Yeah. We came. Um, just that Cenobite shit <laughs> yeah and uh takes him away to hell essentially yeah uh, or leviathan i guess you could call it and um, then uh then steven goes out and starts picking up asian hookers mm-hmm. in mexico yeah <laughs> okay um yeah he he picks up a <laughs> 
yeah, an English speaking Asian hooker in, <laughs> in Tijuana. Mexico. Um, picks her up, takes her back to his hotel or whatever the hell that is. Um, flea bag. <laughs> um, and starts railing her in the ass, and then he starts choking her. Yeah, because the box started talking to him. Yeah, with Nico's voice, it was like, "Hey, yo, kill this bitch, yeah, kill her, kill her, kill her guy." And he's like, "Okay," <laughs> and so he just beats her to death with this, um, with the with the box, and Nico sprouts up from the bed, and he's like, "Hey, dude, her blood brought me back to life. You should get me more of this." And you know, I'm paraphrasing, but it's not far off <laughs> because Nico is a total fucking bro douchebag. Yeah, and. He's a bad actor as well. Yep. So all of his lines sound fucking ridiculous. Yep. Uh, and so Steven's like, okay. And he goes out and starts killing That's more the thing. hookers. Steven is like really receptive. Yeah. Like if I was banging this girl and I heard your voice talking to me through a box, I'd be like, you should probably leave. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen here, but you probably shouldn't be around for it. Something's... Something's wrong you know, with I, me, I think. I'm not feeling good. <laughs> I'm just going to be like, yes, okay, Tony. <laughs> okay, Tony in the box. It's like, you know what? Here's your money. I th- I think maybe you should go. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you should go. You should definitely go. And I'm going to go uh, I'm going to go burn this box. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about that. And then yeah, it it comes to a point where Stephen um he tries to kill a hooker for Nico and finds out she has a little baby. Yeah. Because that's classy as fuck. It's like out hooking. It's like bring a guy back to your place with your baby in a crib 10 feet away. Pretty sure hookers don't ever take you back to their place either. No, they usually do. Well, I don't know from experience, <laughs> but it's my understanding that they usually have like a room that they take John's back to because it's safer for them. I suppose. Except that, that John now has your address. Well, not their home, but like a hotel room. Okay. But why would the baby be there? I don't know. She couldn't find a couldn't find couldn't, a sitter. Get a sitter. <laughs> I like too how Stephen was like, Quando, Quando. And it's like, you're not gonna pay her, you're gonna kill her. What do you what do you care how much? <laughs> um <laughs> I'm sure it's be like, oh, Sequenta. Or no, that's, that's what she said. She said Sequenta, but um like Siento. No, no. Too much. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Demasiado. <laughs> menos, menos. <laughs> um, yeah, so he he freezes to kill this girl, and Nico comes out and... Just wa- walks into the room. Yeah, he's like, hey, what are you doing, man? He just, like, walks in with a in a hoodie. <laughs> he's like, bro, what's up? It's like, you gonna kill this bitch or what? I don't know. I sound like Dante from Grandma's Boy. <laughs> I got fake weight. I'm a smug real weight, and then we'll see what happens. <laughs> what a reference. <laughs> um, I can't say. Make monkey drive. <laughs> <coughs> yeah, so Nico comes out and says, uh, you know, kill this bitch. And Steven's like, no. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> right? No, <laughs> he's like I don't want to do stand up bits. <laughs> Just rip off other people. He's like I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. And Nico's like, you know, this was cool for a while, but. <laughs> and Nico's just like, hey, 
you gotta you gotta do this for me. And she was just like, nah. And so then he starts, goes like, oh wait, I can do it myself. Yeah. So he kills her. And then uh, later on, Nico's like, hey, bro, are you going to find me more chicks or, or what? And he's like, nah, <laughs> I'm not going to do that anymore. And so Nico is just like, well, time for you to die. Yeah, I'm going to take your skin. Yeah. <laughs> Hits him over the head with a lamp and then takes his skin. So And then we, we immediately smash cut to Steven in hell with his skin. Right. And getting it ripped off by Pinhead. Yeah, I mean, you know. <laughs> Continuity? Ah, fuck it. Whatever. Um, but, um, yeah, so we keep flashing to um, Pinhead in his domain. And he's also got this, what we kind of get the impression right away is like a newly minted Cenobite. This little minion. Yeah. This little mini pinhead. Yeah, it brings him back little <clears throat> scraps of flesh. And then Pinhead nails these squares of flesh to his head. Yep. And it's actually a pretty cool look. Yeah. He looks cooler than Pinhead. Yeah. Um and uh Yeah, so we come back to the present day and so Steven has gotten his consciousness back. Um and he starts making moves on his sister, <laughs> making out with her, grabbing her tit. Yeah, and she is perfectly fine with it. Yeah. She's like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> this might as well happen. But, I mean, she's she's being kind of, like, coerced by the box. Yeah. Or whatever. <laughs> or is she being coerced by her box? Uh... She might be underage. I mean, probably not in the like in real life, but in the movie, she may have been young. Whatever. She wanted to fuck her brother. Yeah, it's gross. It's icky. Um. Then yes, yeah, you find Stevens Nico. Find out Stevens Nico. Whoa! Didn't see that coming because so, that didn't happen in the first movie. <laughs> and then we get about forty-five minutes of exposition from Steven explaining everything we just saw. Yeah. And he's like, man, we left town because this place sucks. <laughs> Fuck your suburbia. Yeah, it's like, dude, you live in L.A. It's like one of the coolest places <laughs> in the country. Yeah, and his family is rich as fuck. Yeah. He's like, I'm tired of this small town bullshit. It's like, what? <laughs> it's like, dude, you like live up in the hills somewhere in a fucking awesome house. Yeah, where phones don't work. <laughs> yeah, apparently. <laughs> Um, I'm pretty sure like all over the canyon phones work. I could That's be wrong. Is like everything that happens in this movie, everyone is just kind of like, oh, well, okay. It's like, yeah, it makes it's like, sense. oh yeah, cell phones don't work up here. Oh, right. <laughs> all right. Try the landline. The landline's dead. Mm, yeah. It's like a lot to happen. Uh, I'm just going to go drive down to the neighbors. Uh, nearest neighbor's 40 miles away. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I'll just drive down. Oh, my car's gone. Oh shit. That sucks. <laughs> Anyways, man, where to go? Like, and seriously, their cars fucking disappear. And they're just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> well, that sucks. It's like, hmm, weird. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Hobo Joe shows up and he's like, oh, man, they're coming. Like, I, the, the one that escaped is here. I, I, can, I, can, I can smell, smell him. him. And then uh, 
Nico's dad is just like, yeah, well, I got a shotgun. Boom. <laughs> like, right away. Yeah. Like, not a rational amount of time yeah, well, before like killing S- someone. Steven has the, Steven's dad has the gun, or like the shotgun, and then Nico's dad is just like, give me that gun. He's like, get the fuck out of here. This is private property. Boom. <laughs> Again, just an irrational. And then everyone else is just like, oh, you shot that guy? All right, cool. <laughs> and then the moms come outside, and Steven's dad's what like, what are you doing? <laughs> He's like, get back inside. <laughs> We're fighting. <laughs> oh. And then Hobo Joe just stabs him in the face like 20 times. He cuts his, it looks like he just cuts like a little piece of his scalp off, but he cut like his entire face off. Pretty much, yeah. I don't know when that happened, but. And then he dies. Can you die from getting your face cut off? You can bleed out. They weren't bleeding that much. That's because they only had $300,000. <laughs> Very limited blood budget. Oh, by the way, Steven's dad also got shot. Yeah. By Steven Nico. Yeah. Sneeko. Stinko. <laughs> yes, we're going with Stinko. <laughs> yeah, he just, he just shot him, and uh, he, he lasts a good half hour of screen time with, with a giant hole in his gut. Yeah, he's you know, bleeding to death very slowly. Yeah. Just so slow. Because, you know, shotgun blasts are very small and minor. <laughs> It's not like a. T- it's about a flesh wound. Yeah, it's, it's not like it's a blast in your gut. <laughs> yeah, in all of your major organs. Uh, yeah. And so, so then uh, Nico gets Emma to open the box. Yeah, and uh, she does, and then they the the Cenobites come, and mm-hmm. he says she did it, and they're like, "I don't give a fuck." It's like I don't know because you know everything that Tony said earlier about the the part two. Yeah, yeah that happens again in yeah. this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's like, no, no, no. You escaped. We're coming for you. Yeah. He's like, well, I just thought we could trade. They're like, that's, that's not how this works. Yeah, we don't. We don't do trades. <laughs> we're, we're not a swap this, meet. This isn't a fucking pawn shop. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but you know, Pinhead, he's just taking no shit. He's like, or Nico's mom is just like, he he made her open it. I mean, at this point, she knows it's her son. By the way. Not, not that it's relevant at all. Who gives a fuck? But she's like, uh, or no, every, everybody's screaming and saying, oh, you know, who are you? What are you doing here? Yeah. Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> and Pinhead's just like, if you value your life, unless, or he like, I don't know, he says something creepy, like, um, it's like, unless you want to taste her blood, referring to her daughter, it's like, if you want to taste her blood, and know the rays of her flesh against yours or something to that effect. It's like, you will be silent. And then Nico's mom's like, he made her open it. <laughs> and I swear Pinhead. Boom, chains. I swear Pinhead rolls his eyes. <laughs> it's like, Ugh. And yeah, chains, either side of her throat, rips it open. Yeah, this that, is where all the budget was went. Cool. Was this last yeah. 10 to 15 minutes. I mean, yeah, the the, the this scene was cool. Yeah. How we got here was bullshit. Yeah. But, or not not so much bullshit because we've seen it before in the first and second movies. Yeah. And they were cool then, but and now it's just redundant. And so much of the middle of the movie is, is just exposition of Stephen talking and explaining things. Yeah, that's what the entire fucking movie is. Is just like, oh, Stephen's back and he's, you know, he's real tired. <laughs> but now he's awake and now he's pointing a gun at us. That was like 90% of the movie. Yeah. Um, 
And then just him explaining what happened in Mexico. Yeah. And then, yeah, so Pinhead just kind of says fuck you to everyone. Like, he basically tells Emma, it's like, yeah, you open the box. You have it in you to open the box. So we'll be back for you soon. <laughs> um, And then you find out that the mini Pinhead is Steven. Yeah. Steven. Steven. Um, the true Steven. Right. You know, I don't know why he didn't just take his skin back. <laughs> it's like, this is mine, bitch. Maybe he liked the new look. I mean, I guess. And, you know, now he's spouting off just creepy pinhead stuff. Creepy centibite talk. Yeah. Um, and then pinhead kills Steven's mom for some reason. <laughs> yeah, I don't really know why. He says something but it's just like i'm not paying attention at this point (laughs) yeah and then so emma and steven's dad oh by the way you find out that steven's dad is fucking nico's mom what the point of this is i have no idea how it's relevant to the story i have no idea other than just nico's now just an embittered petulant little shit because oh no my mommy's fucking another guy i'm gonna pout and call on hell demons go to tijuana (laughs) They seriously ran away from home. That's what they did. Yeah. <laughs> so fucking stupid. Um, uh, yeah, and so... And then, yeah, Emma and Steven's dad go home, and Steven's dad dies because he got shot in the stomach with a shotgun like yeah, an hour ago. Now the movie's over, so he can die now. Yeah. And then Emma just, like, takes the box and then, like, gives the, the gives the camera a little look. Yeah, it's... Yeah. I don't know, stupid. And then it's over. <laughs> the dumb... F- Thankfully over. <laughs> This is a painful fucking movie to watch. This is the lowest, by far, rated uh, Hellraiser movie. This was, I think, if you look anywhere, it's like one star. It's also impossible to find. Um, for our patrons, you know, we talked about having a hard time finding Boogeyman. This was equally hard to find. Yeah, this is pretty much on DVD only. It's not on VOD. Yeah, because who in their right mind would just want to watch this? Yeah, um, and I like I've seen people say, you know, oh, it's it's it feels more like a true Hellraiser sequel than a lot of the other sequels, and it was clearly like inspired by Hellraiser, and it was done with a love of the franchise. I'm like, yeah, because he just made the same movie. Yeah, he just did all the same things. Exactly. You made part one and two over again. <clears throat> And, you know, like I said, you know, Tunnicliffe, he's a guy that's been involved since the beginning, so he knows Hellraiser, but it's just, I mean, maybe the script was good. I don't know. It seems like the script, other than, you know, completely ripping off, like, I definitely see how it's done with by someone who has an affinity for the Hellraiser franchise. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it was a cash-in for the Weinstein company. Mm-hmm. I mean, not really a cash in, just a way to keep the, the franchise rights. It wasn't something they made to try and make money. Yeah. It's like that fantastic four. <laughs> yeah. <remake. laughs> nah. But it seemed like Tony cliff did, development did write it with a, a passion for the franchise. Right. But at the same time, he also just recycled storylines. Mm-hmm. Um, which is what you do when you're in a hurry. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, this worked before. And I mean, you know, it's it's hard to say whether Victor Garcia 
could have directed better because again they had two weeks that's insane that is an insanely short amount of time to make a hellraiser movie yeah i mean you you think about the first and second movies especially um and just the locations that they use well i mean so the first movie takes place mostly in a house but the set pieces in that house are amazing. The second movie takes place mostly in a psychi- psychiatric hospital, but those, like the, the the way they make that hospital like just cavernous, um, is is also amazing. Um, and then you know, Hell World takes place in um, in L.A. You know, Hollywood basically. Um, Bloodlines takes place over the course of several generations of a family line. I mean, takes place in, you know, kind of around like French Revolution time. Um, And then uh, maybe there's just two. Yeah, like French Revolution, the guy actually creates the lament configuration, his descendant in modern day, and then his descendant in the distant future. So there's three generations, and there's the title, Bloodlines. Gotcha. <laughs> anyway, so I'm just saying, like other Hellraiser movies, I mean, the early good ones, they took their time. They gave you, they fed you, man. <laughs> they gave you a good movie with like a lot of different locations, um, and the locations they had were interesting. This was just some fucking house up in the hills somewhere. Yeah. And I mean, even like the Tijuana scenes, you had their hotel, the bar that I said, you know, looks like a warehouse or a garage, uh, the bathroom of said garage, uh, and that's pretty much it for Tijuana. Did you say their hotel room? Yeah. 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 That's that's pretty much it. Yeah. And then just, uh, you know, wherever they were driving. Yeah. And in a car. Just, just, just a dumb movie. Just, it's dumb and it's bad. It's a bad, bad movie. And you know we're not the only ones that think so. You look anywhere, and people will tell you almost hands down this is a shit movie. Yeah, even like the the most positive thing you'll probably find is someone saying it's not the worst. Oh, it's by far the worst. I don't know. I haven't seen all of them. I'm I'm not really a huge Pinhead fan. Oh, I'm I'm not either. I mean, like I said, I like the first four. All the ones after that are just garbage. Um, See, I saw. I think I think it was Dread Central, and their review was saying that it, it's better than the two before it. The two that were basically they took somebody else's script and turned them into into uh, Hellraiser movies. I mean, I guess I think it's um, Hellworld. I think that Pinhead is in the movie for about five minutes. I mean, he's not in this one very long. No, not really. But I mean, he's not really in any of them that long. I don't know. It's dumb. They're just, they're all garbage. All, all the ones, but all, all the Hellraiser movies post Bloodlines are just fucking hot steaming piles of garbage so there's that 
Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Like I said, I I can see the the uh, potential is not the right word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can see the, the, the love. Intent. I can see the love in it. Yeah, the the intent. That's probably a good way to put it. But it's you know three hundred thousand dollars in two weeks. It's really hard to put something together in that amount of time that's mm-hmm. going to be good. Yeah, they were. They had nothing going for them. Yeah, I mean, they had a, a makeup artist writing the script. They had the loss of their star. <laughs> yep. Um, and you know, like you said, two weeks and a shit budget. Yep. What was going to happen? Um. Let's see. <laughs> yeah, I'm just reading some uh, some or the reception of this, like. Like you mentioned, Dread Central. They said, uh, not only does this entry make all the other sequels seem great in comparison, you could easily confuse this for some Hellraiser mockbuster from the folks at the Asylum. That's it. It's I don't, I don't know about the Asylum, but it it feels like a fan film. It really does, yeah. And that's kind of what I'm saying. Like you can how you can see the intent and you can see the love for the franchise, but at the same time, it's just it's so low budget and it was done so quickly and so haphazardly. Yeah. And that's, I guess that's why I wasn't clear when the movie came out that it was an actual Hell, Hellraiser movie. Because it's like, well, Doug Bradley's not in it. And then I saw it and was like, this this doesn't feel like a Hellraiser movie. But it's like, no, this is this is made by Dimension. This is an actual Hellraiser movie. Yeah. It's like, what? <laughs> Who the fuck signed off on this? <laughs> anyway. Um <laughs> second review criticized the new pseudo pinhead saying pinhead doesn't appear to be doing much with his free time but stroking bloodied chains and making sinister faces it's a farcical twist on the austin powers mini me <laughs> i can see like, that <laughs> like not even not only did they not get doug bradley but they picked a guy who looked nothing like doug bradley yeah and who when you put the makeup on him, he looks he looks like Kevin Nesgoda as in pinhead makeup. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway. Alright, I'm I'm done. Yeah, I'm I've been this done. Is, this is shit. We've been talking way too long about this. Yeah. Um uh two. I'll go three. Like I said, I see I see what they were going for. I see what they wanted to do and, and but they just they were just not given the resources. So I mean I would go one, but I mean there's decent effects, decent um and boobs. So Yes, there are boobs, yes. Yep. I had to think about it though. <laughs> All right, so uh as as if that wasn't enough to kill the the Hellraiser franchise once and for all, they decided, oh, you know what? Let's just let's do let's do another one. <laughs> let's get this thing going again. I think we I think we can get it this time. Yeah. So you know, let's bring Tunnicliffe back, and uh, let's make Hellraiser Judgment.
this evil. What is going on here? Let's just dive in, shall we? What we're investigating is very dark. Just curious. What do you see? You think you're too close to this case? Jesus Christ. It's him. What on earth is this place? It isn't. All right, so uh, Hellraiser Judgment just came out two months ago. Uh, not only written, but directed by Gary Tonicliffe mm-hmm. and starring Gary Tonicliffe. Right, which I did not know going into this. Uh, he was originally supposed to play Pinhead. Really? Yep. Mm. That would not. That would have not been good. No, he's he's a little guy. Yeah. Um, I mean, Doug Bradley's not not that like big. he's not like a midget, but he's. <laughs> That's true. Doug Bradley's not that big, but I guess it's just it was seeing him next to Paul T. Taylor, who plays Pinhead in this one. Yeah, and it's if if it was the other way around, it would have looked really awkward. I mean, Fat Pinhead's a tall guy too; like he's fucking big. Yeah, which you know, casting a guy who is a foot taller than your normal star, like I don't know where that science came from. Yeah. Anyway, so this uh, this pretty much takes the Hellraiser franchise in a completely different direction. Yeah. Um, But at the same time, much more true to its original premise and very, I mean, kind of digging into this ahead of, ahead of, ahead of actually talking about the movie, but it's, it's much more in line with what I feel Clive Barker's intent was. Interesting. I did not get that. So, um, so yeah, we're introduced to new, they're not Cenobites, they're, um, uh, shit, what the fuck are they called? I didn't know they weren't called Cenobites. Uh, the Sty- Stygian Inquisition? Stygian. Stygian Inquisition. Uh, we're introduced to the Auditor and the Assessor, the Butcher, the Surgeon, and the Jury. Mm-hmm. And basically, when you go and, to this random house, which is apparently hell, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, Stygian, it re- <clears throat> refers to the river Styx, which is obviously the pathway to hell. So. Okay. Um, yeah. So, I mean, maybe I think maybe it's like kind of like a purgatory. Okay. We well, go in there and the auditor interviews you. And he says, asks you all the all the terrible shit that you've done in your life. And then he ty- types it out and he gives it to the assessor 
who seasons it with the tears of children and then just gobbles it up. It was so weird. Yeah. To watch him just, he's eating this paper like like it's a salad or something. Yeah. Just munching it down. And then he vomits into a tube, which then fills up this trough. And the jury, which is three topless girls with their faces ripped off. Right. They just kind of rub their fingers in it, which is icky. It's just icky poo-poo doo-doo. And, uh, and then I don't know how they come up with a verdict just from doing that. Um, I feel like they just kind of reported back to the auditor. Yeah. And, and like he kind of made a determination or something. I don't know. And then they, they would have to clean the person. Those were different people. Were they? Yeah. And I can't remember. I couldn't tell called. if it was the same people or not. Cause it was just all topless women with their faces ripped off. Yeah. Well, I mean like the, the jury, they were like younger and like, even though they had their faces ripped off. Were you having a hard time not just looking at their boobs? Well, obviously. Yeah. Because they were nice. Nice boobs. Great boobs. So then you've got the surgeon and the butcher who are essentially the same person. Yeah. They do the same task, which is basically just to rip you to shreds. And then they just spew blood all over the jury's tits. Yep. <laughs> it's the money shot. Yep. Uh, so <clears throat> while all this is going on, we're introduced to... Uh, David and Sean Carter, Hova. I knew that was going to come up. <laughs> of course it is. Uh, as well as Christine Egerton. And they're this group of detectives who are investigating a serial killer called the Perceptor. Or the Preceptor, sorry. Mm-hmm. He doesn't just perceive things. No. <laughs> he perceives things. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to see <save> before. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then we basically have this like police procedural movie of them trying to chase down this guy. And it sucks that I can't spoil this. <clears throat> um, But then at the same time, Sean finds this Stygian Inquisition. But for some reason, he like doesn't want to tell his partners about it. Well, it's because, I mean, I I assume it's because it basically revealed all of his darkness. Um, he he was uh, a soldier. He spent a lot of time, you know, in the desert uh, and killed a lot of people. And, you know, I think like a lot of soldiers do, the way they rationalize that in their heads, it's like, well, we had a job to do. That was my job. I was paid to do it. Um. And uh, basically, the auditors like are just kind of saying, "Well, yeah, you're maybe that was your job, but you know, it it still sits on your soul." <laughs> yeah. And the interesting thing was, is you know, the auditor calls in. You know, basically, auditor. I can't. Did you explain what he does? Yeah. Okay. So, um, the auditor will call called in the assessor, and the assessor started eating. His sins, essentially. And he couldn't even get it. He couldn't choke it down. He started Coughing vomiting it back up. Yeah. Um, and it it was so, I mean, that his sins were so great and so bad that it, it poisoned the assessor. And when he fed his vomit back down to the jury, it poisoned them too. 
Um, like it literally, literally froze them in their tracks. Um, and so the auditors, yeah, just kind of freaking out, be like, like Jesus Christ. So he takes it up the chain to management. <laughs> ha, up the chain. Ah, ha. <laughs> I made it funny. Because management is Pinhead. Mm-hmm. And I will say, Paul T. Taylor looks more like Pinhead. He looks more like the Doug Bradley Pinhead. Yeah. Which, you know, it's weird because to look at Paul T. Taylor, he looks a lot like Doug Bradley. But there is a noticeable difference when he's in his Pinhead makeup. Yeah. Um, I just, I just thought that was weird because... To look at the two, I thought they looked very similar, but their pinheads don't. <laughs> More than fat pinhead for sure. Sure. <laughs> um. Yeah. So they're they're chasing the the preceptor, <clears throat> and they find this guy who was diddling kids. Don't diddle kids. <laughs> <laughs> and that that was how Sean found the house because this guy was at the house. How did he find the house? The, the, the diddler. The d- <laughs> uh, he got a letter. Did he? Yeah, he got a letter from the auditor. Yeah, I don't recall that. Um, but yeah, so Hova finds his computer and it looks up his uh, his last known whereabouts on on his GPS, and that's how he finds the house. And then, like Tony said, the his his sins are so great that the assessor ends up choking up blood. And then, yeah, the auditor goes to Pinhead and basically says, this guy is is too fucked up for us. Yeah. Um, and then what does Pinhead do? He's just kind of like, yeah, okay, cool. Um, I think he just tells him to... Uh, he says, like, we'll, we'll take care of it later, more or less. He tells him to let, it, let him go, I think. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That wasn't when the angel came. That was later, right? That was after, I think, yeah. Okay. And uh, so, God, how much can I give away here? Um, I mean, so I, I, just the general premise of the movie is that these detectives are tracking down this serial killer who's got um, very religious overtones right. to his murders. Um, they're actually they're based around the um, commandments, right? So I mean, it's very reminiscent of Seven. Yes, and I think we commented on that when they first announced like the plot of this. It sounds like something we'd say. <laughs> We're smart like that. Um. So yeah, I mean, it, you know, whereas Seven deals with the Seven Deadly Sins, this is dealing with the Ten Commandments. Um, and uh, what about that part with the dog? Huh? That was fucked. That's so super fucked. That's what I kind of knew I was in for a ride. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh man, this is exactly what I wanted to see in this kind of movie. <laughs> um the dog doesn't die, guys, don't worry. Yeah, there's, there's no no death. I mean, but I mean if I think the dog had a human consciousness, it would probably want to be dead. <laughs> <clears throat> um Yeah, so these de- detectives are just trying to track down the serial killer, but the closer they get, the closer they get tied into these Stygian um, Inquisition. Inquisition. <clears throat> so, I mean, that, that I think that's just the general premise of the movie. Right. And, I mean, one thing I want to say, and this might be a little bit of a spoiler, 
but the movie ends with someone making someone else open the box and then saying that they should trade. Yep. It's the same fucking thing. <laughs> it's like, um, Donna Cliff, you wrote the last one. <laughs> you know this happened in the last one. But it's like, but nobody liked the last one. <laughs> People seem to like that part. So I thought. Uh, oh, and another part of the story that I thought was interesting was that um, Pinhead and the auditor, um, they have come to kind of like a realization that because of technology the the use of the lament configuration and the cenobites usual plight and their their usefulness has become um obsolete just because the human condition has <laughs> made them old-fashioned essentially yeah <laughs> which i didn't really understand that it was a little confusing um i kind of Nobody plays with puzzle boxes anymore. <laughs> Everyone's on their goddamn cell phones all day. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I mean, here in Wikipedia, it says, Pinhead and the Cenobites and the Auditor of the Stygian Inquisition are discussing how to adapt their methods of harvesting souls now that advancing human technology is making the configurations gateways to hell. Or, oh. Making the configurations, the gateways, gateways to hell, gradually more obsolete. So, I mean, I, I can understand that. Um, you know. By the way, do not read the Wikipedia for this before you watch it. Because it spoils the dick out of it. Yep. <laughs> um, and I, I think that makes sense because it's like the, the configurations are supposed to provide... Um, just this out of this world sensual experience um, that just borders the path, you know, borders between passion and pain or, you know, pleasure and pain and create all these like otherworldly experiences. And I think it's kind of a common nowadays. we got people fucking flashlights. Exactly. <laughs> and now, so yeah, just it's like, you know, some creepy homeless guy comes up and says, Hey, if you play with this box, then you'll, see some you'll get a tingle in your dingle <laughs> and then it's like but no i got a subscription to bang bus i'm good <laughs> so i think that is kind of why they need to they're like well we got to we got to get on up we, our game yeah we got to get on the internet <laughs> we got to start up a website and get this going hellraiser dot hell <laughs> pinhead dot are you <laughs> are you <laughs> So, what did you think? Eh. Really? Yeah. I liked it. So it was good. Eh. I thought it was, I mean, it's better than Revelations. Well, yeah. But at the same time, I it just felt like there was so much focus on the auditor specifically. And I was just like, all right, Tonicliff. <laughs> he did kind of make himself the center, center yeah, of Yeah, it's attention. like, don't worry. I won't play Pinhead. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I did like how they made Pinhead, you know, he was there and he was not, not really front and, that, that was the thing. He wasn't front and center through the movies. Pinhead became the center of attention. He became, um, more than he was supposed to be, uh, in 
you know, the Hellbound Heart, he was just the lead Cenobite. He didn't even have a name. He's Hell Priest. Sure. I mean, that that's actually what um, uh, Clyde Barker called him later. He, he did not have a name mm. in the original novella. Um, and, uh, you know, just through the movies, because, you know, people love an iconic character. People, you know, can't market something with no name. Exactly. So they named a pinhead. Actually, fans named a pinhead. Because in the first movie, he's actually credited as lead Cenobite. Mm. Um, but fans named him Pinhead. He became he became Hellraiser. Um, and just he he took off into a character that he wasn't intention, originally intended to be. And I felt like this movie brought him back to where he was supposed to be. Like he was just the head of the Cenobites. He was not more important than any other character. He was just kind of the guy that ran things. Like you said, upper management. Yeah. Uh, uh, so Doug Bradley was supposed to, I don't know, maybe not supposed to, but uh, Tunnicliffe wanted Paul, uh, Paul, Doug Bradley to come back and return as Pinhead. Because they're really good friends. <clears throat> yeah. Well, were. <laughs> uh, the story goes that they s- wanted to send Bradley the script but they wanted him to sign an NDA before he could read the script. Mm-hmm. And Doug Bradley kind of said, don't you know who I am? Yeah. And I don't know. It's, I, I don't know the whole story, but it kind of seems like Bradley was being a bit of a diva about it. Oh, he definitely was. And, and so, I, I think revelations was probably a big part of that. Yeah. He was like, if you want me back, then you got to, you know, I, I need to read the script first and all this stuff. I don't know if they like wanted him to sign on before reading the script or if it was just an NDA or what the deal was, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't know the full story. I think he's been kind of uh tight lipped about the finer details. It doesn't seem like an unreasonable request to me. No. Yeah. I mean, like we signed NDAs for they reach. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and that doesn't, that's not going to have anywhere. I mean, Hope I maybe mean, it'd be awesome if it did, but it's likely not going to have the same kind of reach that a Hellraiser movie does. Reach, <laughs> see what I did? I mean, we all know Alex Quinley is going to be the next big horror icon. So. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, overall, I liked this movie. I thought it was just about what I felt a Hellraiser movie should be. Um, I mean, so what do you think about the fact that they just introduced this whole new s- 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 faction of hell, essentially? Like, the, there's, uh, you know, uh, Chatterers in it, right? Chatterers in it, yeah. <clears throat> so you, you've still got the Cenobites here, but there's also just this new faction that they seem to focus much more of the movie on. Mm-hmm. How, how does that? How do you feel about that? Um, I'm I'm fine with it. Um. You know, I, I don't want to sound like I'm a Hellraiser ex- expert. Um, I I've read maybe a, a couple Hellraiser like comics. I've seen all the movies, um, and I've read a lot about Clive Barker's work on like the original stories and and that type of stuff. Um, so, but I'm by no means an expert. I don't know all the ins and outs of the Hellraiser universe, um, but from what I understand in like the graphic novels and things like that, there is like 
a lot like hell is expanded much further than just the Cenobites. And I felt like that I felt like this kind of involved that more than the other movies have. Um maybe not necessarily in the same fashion, but I mean See, how this, many times can you watch Hellraiser or can you watch uh Pinhead and the Cenobites before it just gets fucking repetitive? Well, I mean that's the thing. This franchise probably should have ended a long time ago, but well yeah. <clears throat> to me it felt like even though I know this isn't the case, it felt like one of those movies where they had a script already and just kind of plugged Pinhead in. Yeah, I mean like I said, I I like that it Pinhead was not front and center. Sure. Um but I mean I like that he was there for sure. Yeah. And it was very clear that he was still running things. Yeah. But he wasn't the the focus. And that's totally fine with me. I just thought it was interesting that it was just like all of a sudden here's this whole new storyline that we have. We've never met these characters before. We've never even heard of them. Mm-hmm. But here they are front and center. They're what this movie is about. Yeah. And then, but to then say it's a Hellraiser movie and put Pinhead on the poster and. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to say it's disingenuous, but it's, it just felt a little off. I suppose. I mean, you got to. They're still advertising, you know. They, they gotta advertise well, yeah. what people know. Um, Without giving anything away, what did you think of how it ended? Um, like the stinger, or no? Before that, um, I liked that. Yeah, I thought it was very interesting. I'm I'm curious to see where they're gonna. Well, presumably where they're gonna go with that. Well, I mean, this one had a much higher budget of three hundred fifty thousand. <laughs> so. Uh, this, I mean, it didn't feel like a big budget thing like, um, like hell on earth did. Sure. Um, it definitely felt much more, um, um, noir. Mm. Um, and you know, the fact that it's basically a crime procedural, um, that was definitely reflected in, um, Edgerton. She actually says at one point that it's like, oh, she walks into the, the Carter's office and she says, oh, this is very 1930s uh, detective agency looking. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, it was very, it wasn't polished like a lot of other Hellraiser movies have been. It was very grimy, very, um, I don't want to say grindhouse because it wasn't grindhouse, but just dark and gritty. I mean, kind of, <laughs> yeah. Also, um, what's her face? Um, Nancy. Uh, oh, uh, Heather Langenkamp. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought she'd have, I thought she had a bigger role. So did I. Um, she's, I don't know if they just made her look that way, but she looked a lot older than I thought. Yeah, I almost didn't recognize her. Yeah. Um, she played the, the, Diddler's landlady. landlady. Yeah. Um, and yeah, she was only in it for, for less than a minute. Yeah. I don't, know, I don't know why they even bothered. I know. Just like cast some, me. Some like, fucking rando. Um, Probably could have paid somebody a lot less. <laughs> but yeah. But what do you think about the fact that it was more or less a police procedural? Like it wasn't. It wasn't a like super 
terrifying movie for the most part. It's it's mostly this crime drama. Yeah. Um. Well, I mean, I thought the the um the was the killer's name the preceptor preceptor. Thank you. Um. I thought that was um enough to kind of keep my attention because I I I was waiting to see where that was going to tie in. Yeah. To the whole theme. Mm-hmm. Because I knew it would eventually. Honestly, I didn't see... Um, I, I, I didn't know where it was going. And I was, so I was kind of surprised when I saw where it was going. Um, I got to say, the way that they find out who the preceptor is, is kind of a reach. Yeah. And... But at the same time, it's like, that's also kind of detective work. Yeah. It's like, you kind of got to, hmm, back to my hunch. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We're going to have to start paying paying, uh, fucking John Mulaney some royalties. (laughs) Um, I was fine with it for the most part. Like I said, uh, it it was a different, it was a different, uh, path for a hellraiser movie the, the reason i ask is because a lot of people that's a big criticism that they had of it but for me i'm like if horror wants to just start invading other genres i'm perfectly okay with that yeah it was that sounds awesome there was plenty of classic hellraiser stuff yeah you had the gore yeah you had the gore all the chains and everything yeah, yeah i mean all the yeah. weird bondage shit that clive barker was into yeah sorry is into <laughs> Yeah, gore, chains, tits, um, fucking blood. Or, well, that's gore. Um, you know, Cenobites, hell, creepy, creepy hell demons. And then, yeah, a, a, a cop story in, inlaid with it. That's That was fine. Yeah, I had no problems with it. It was like the, the cop stuff was the primary focus, but it didn't deter away from what else was going on because mm-hmm. that was still a focus of the film yeah it, it wasn't necessarily it wasn't like a side story it was they were integrate in ingrained intertwined mm-hmm. yeah um and you know that's it's you know they they did a somewhat of a cop story in one of the movies i want to say i want to say inferno but i could be wrong on that um and uh so it's not the first time they've done that. I think this was done better. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think... I feel like... Um, Pinhead as a character was represented much differently. Like, to Fat Pinhead's credit, he kind of was... He presented himself much in, th- in the same way that Doug Bradley did even though he looked stupid. Um, I feel like Paul T. Thomas. Taylor. Taylor. Um, even though he had much a much more similar look to Doug Bradley, his, his pers- uh, portrayal was different somehow. And I can't quite put my finger on it. I feel like he maybe wasn't as rigid. He seems a little quieter. In a way. The thing on his chest was terrible. Yeah. 
like it was supposed to look like his ribs were exposed, but it just didn't it didn't look good. Yeah. I mean, it's a for all intents and purposes, it's a low budget movie. Well, yeah. In general, I was pleased. I thought it I thought they did it very well. I was I was hesitant going into this. I mean, I don't have a devotion to Hellraiser like I do with like Friday the 13th. Um, but at the same time, I was worried with, after seeing Revelations, I was worried where they were going to go with this. And I felt like they steered it back in the right direction. Like they're, they're correcting course. That gives me hope for any sequels they might do. Yeah. I mean, I didn't dislike it. I just, I don't know. For me, I expected, I know Pinhead is supposed to be, like you said, he's, he's not supposed to be front and center, but I still wanted, I still expected more Pinhead. Sure. They, they definitely presented it <clears throat> that way. Yeah. And it, it just felt like there was, we were so focused on the auditor and this uh, Stygian Inquisition. And it was just like, okay, but wh- how is this Hellraiser? Yeah. But I mean, you know, overall, it's it's definitely it's it's so much better than Revelations. Mm-hmm. Um, There's no denying that. Yeah, the the story moves along well on its own accord. You don't have to have people explaining to you what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's a part at the end that feels very saw-ish, though. When they when they catch the preceptor, and he starts monologuing. Oh yeah, yeah. And it almost felt like I was just going. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> You know, something that they incorporated that, unless I'm drawing a a total blank, um, something they haven't done before in another Hellraiser movie is uh, incorporate the other side. Oh, true. Yeah, yeah. It involved heaven. I was wondering if that was, like, I actually had to Google that because I didn't know if that was something that had happened before. Yeah, I like, I'm, I don't remember... If I'm remembering Inferno as the movie that I think it is, then I don't remember Deader or Hell World all that well. Um, but in the ones I do remember, I don't recall any involvement in heaven. Just you know, mentions, but never actually like a like a representation like it what there was in this one. Um, and I, it was almost cornball. I kind of wish they would have done it a little better than they had, but. It was interesting that after all these years, they finally show the other head of the other side of the coin, you know? Yeah. And how the two entities work together. And that heaven's not that innocent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, it was almost presented like, like heaven is like solely a place of judgment as well. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, more righteous than just. Right. Um, the this sickos. <laughs> yeah. Um I'll get into this afterwards. Okay. Uh I'm I'll give it a five. Okay. Um have we re- we've reviewed another Hellraiser movie, right? We have not. Really? Yeah, this is the first. Well, these two. Really? Really? I could have sworn we did at least one. Nope. Um, okay, well, I was going to kind of gauge it based on what I gave another one. Um, I think I'm, I think I'm going to give it an eight. Wow. Yeah. 
I, I really liked it. And like I said, I this is giving me hope for what they might do in the future. Yeah, I'm reading about that, those plans. And uh, I mean, Clyde Barker wants to reboot it. He's wanted to reboot it for over a decade. Right. So <laughs> he's not going to. Um, <clears throat> uh, who is this quote from? Paul Taylor says that the possibility of a judgment sequel is purely a question of fan reaction and economics. Fair. I wonder if he said that before or after the the Weinstein troubles. Yeah. Because, I mean, do they still own the rights to this? Or did they sell them off? I think they sold off everything. Do we know? I mean, I wonder who, I wonder who owns them now, um, if anyone. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, as far as a return for Doug Bradley, uh, he has said that he is absolutely open to doing it. Uh, I've never closed the door on the idea. Right place, right time, right movies, right script. I'm pretty relaxed about other actors playing the role. Since I turned down both movies, it follows that I knew other actors would get to play the part. Good luck to them. I don't know about taking over. Enjoying temporary ownership, maybe. I don't... This might be a hot take. I don't want him to do it again. I I think... like I would be okay with, with Taylor establishing himself as the new pinhead. Yeah. The, bouncing around is is the worst thing that can happen, I think. Yeah. Even if it is Bradley coming back. And the thing Bradley's too old. <laughs> that that's true too. He I mean, did you see him when he did um oh was it was it Frightmare? Frightmare weekend when he wore the pinhead makeup for what was supposed to be the last time? Oh, when he did the pinhead experience. Yeah. Yeah. That was I, in Arizona somewhere. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Because Alex Dingleberry went. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, he looked. I mean, he looked like Pinhead, but he looked like old Pinhead. <laughs> and you know, for a guy that's for a, a thing that is supposed to be eternal and a denizen of hell, it's like why is he continuing to age? I mean, because, you know, he was wearing that high collar like Pinhead does, but it just wasn't hiding that turkey neck. <laughs> and, you know, he's 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 an old guy, so his face is, is podgy. Um, and, I mean, like, there's, there's nothing wrong, <laughs> wrong with that. It's just he's old, and Pinhead is not supposed to be old. Or not look old, anyway. Yeah, he's supposed to, like you said, he's supposed to be eternal. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I am perfectly content with... Bradley not being involved. Maybe if he wants to do like a like a guest spot as a different character, just kind of like a throwback to the old movies, I, I'd be okay with that as long as it's not corny. But like you said, I am fine with Taylor making this his role. Yeah, going forward until he ages out. I mean, let's hope maybe they're not making the movies that long. Because <laughs> while I did do think this was like a kind of a breath of breath of life into the series it's a breath it this is not going to last forever i like that his voice sounded like bradley yeah that was nice because fat pinhead was all wrong his voice sounded like super distorted too yeah it's it's like they didn't even try <laughs> or they tried too hard maybe i think that maybe the other side of the coin they were just like he doesn't have anything like him let's just distort the shit out of it yeah you know it's in in the first Hellraiser, 
Bradley's voice was, you know, altered to sound like like Taylor did in this one. But it seemed like as the movies went on, that kind of they kind of drew that back a little bit. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So I I fully recommend this. I think people should see it. I really would like to see some good fan support. I'd be interested to hear what like diehard Hellraiser fans think. Yeah. Um so I mean, if you are one, drop us a line at the uh, the website um, on the show, you know, in our uh, post about this. We can discuss. We can conversate. We can argue. What ifs? Yeah, even if you fucking hated it, let us know. Yeah. Anyway, I apparently had no opinion. <laughs> <coughs> anyway, so that's gonna do it, guys. That's the show. That's the show. That's the show. <laughs> should we, just, you should just start plugging that in. Right? <laughs> yeah. That that could be our like our like our lead into the to the closing yeah. statements. I think you should do the whole thing though. <laughs> just that's that's the show. That's the show. Hey, you hey, on the, hey you on the elliptical. I see you. You don't say a fucking thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best part of that whole part or that whole thing. This is weird laugh. Is laugh because you know, when you're fucking smashed, you'll be like talking shit and then you'll laugh about it. <laughs> anyway. Okay. So, um, off we go. We're done. We'll be back in a couple weeks um, with Crypticon. Crypticon. Uh, we're headed out. That's going to be the largest gathering of the macabre in the Pacific Northwest. It's going to be uh, in the SeaTac Airport Doubletree Hotel. Um, uh, May 4th, 5th, and 6th. So if you are in the area, I believe they still have tickets, right? I don't know. <laughs> okay. If they still have tickets, please come and see us. If you're already going, look for us. We'll probably be the jackasses wearing our own merchandise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. We'll probably have free buttons and shit, too. So Yeah. And maybe fucking magnets or something. We've got so many magnets. Yeah, we'll start throwing magnets at people. Sticking them to, you know... Artificial limbs and stuff. <laughs> I was trying to think of metal that people might have on them. <laughs> um, yeah, and we're doing a lot of panels. We've got, I think we've got a schedule up on our website. Yes, we do. Yeah, so check that out at graveplotpodcast.com. And cool. Check out our grave, uh, Crypticon retrospective in a couple weeks from today. Taylor. Yes. Tell people about our online presence. Well, you already mentioned greatplotpodcast.com. Uh, since we are a podcast, we are, of course, on iTunes and Stitcher Radio and Google Play Music and everywhere but Spotify. Um, so make sure to leave us a rating and review. Send us an email. Let us know you did. We'll send you a free magnet because we have magnets out the wazoo. So many magnets. Uh, follow us on Facebook and Instagram as greatplotpodcast or on Twitter as grave underscore plot. And don't forget about Patreon, guys. We love the money. And I like money. <laughs> you know, we, I mean, we don't spend a lot of money on the show, but when we have people contributing, it definitely helps um, pay our, you know, hosting, hosting fees. fees and, and, uh, if we need, and by equipment. the way, that, that money doesn't go in our pockets. No, we're, we're not. We're not making a profit off the show. Any if you know we get, start to get a surplus, we'll roll it back into the Patreon patrons. We'll do a giveaway or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we just spent some money on these uh, these lapel mics. Yep, for our videos. 
to enhance the experience for you guys. So uh, that's patreon.com slash greatflatpodcast, and we have several different tiers with several different kinds of, not, not prizes, but fucking perks. So many fucking perks, dude. Cool. So that's the episode. <laughs> now that's going to do it for episode 108, guys. Please catch up with us again in a couple weeks. Till then, I am Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. This has been the Great Flat Podcast, where we're all a little dead inside.